Welcome to the Frontier Psychiatrist Podcast. I'm your host, Owen Scott Muir, MD. I'm worried about a lot of things when my family hears this. Dr. Lara Cox has one brother and one sister. Um, I'm worried that it shifts my role in the family because I'm kind of your stereotypical oldest child. <laughs> She's the overachiever. In a family that has dealt over the years with mental health problems, she's a psychiatrist. She's an overachiever in her field, too. She's 32 and was part of the group that makes the final decision on the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-5. It's the book that basically guides diagnosis for all mental health professionals everywhere. I'm the kid you never had to worry about. So this sort of blows that out of the water. I'm Dr. Owen Muir, and this is Self-Disclosure, the show where health professionals talk openly, often for the first time, about their own mental health. That's what Lara Cox did when I asked her how she knew, at 16, that she wanted to be a child psychiatrist. Uh, well, I could give you the answer that I have given on every interview and essay I've ever had, or I could give you the real answer, which is, that's the time that I first got depressed. The answer that I've always given has been, you know, something random about age of onset and friends who got ill at that age and seeing what a difference, um, a good psychiatrist can make, which is true. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. There are, like, no child psychiatrists in existence there, so... That is also a thing that was part of the picture. However, really, truly, you want the answer, it's about me. Yeah. So for you, that was the first time you had a problem. So it was the first time I had a problem big enough that I knew it was a problem. When, was, when did you, you figure out that it was different? Uh, well, I would say that probably the first time I thought about like wrapping my car around a tree I realized that wasn't normal how long did you struggle at that period of time until medical school not always as bad yeah um certainly and maybe Maybe that summer it was sort of a window and then sort of slid into senior year, right? Like did a little bit better and then into senior year slid and then stayed slid for a long time, a couple of years probably. Senior year and freshman year of college were really quite bad. Where'd you go to college? Kenyon in Ohio. What does a hard time look like in college for you? What it looks like and what it feels like are two very, very different sure. things. Sure. And that's true, right? So to everyone else, what did it look like? College. <laughs> right. I was kind of a goth kid. Okay. That would be, I mean, and a bit of a, well, not a bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> a perfectionist and tend to do far too many things simultaneously. That's always been the case. Still's the case. Um, it's definitely still the case. And, you know, 
wore a lot of black and a lot of bracelets, which this is not video, so people can't see, but this is similar except a slightly more grown-up version. I guarantee guarantee your audience at home, I've never seen you wear a color. (laughs) I mean, those jeans are blue, but they're really dark. Yeah. Um, But other than that, you know, I don't know that people would have said there was anything that far beyond kind of your normal marginally angsty teenager, you know, I would have been 18 at that point. Zero, zero admissions to anybody. Only if I knew that they had the same secrets that I did and so it was safe. And I had to know that before I would say anything. So you 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 played your cards close to your chest, but inside something different was happening. Yeah. And and what was that? I was bone deep miserable. Like couldn't sleep. Concentration was shitty. My mood was either really terrible or like totally numb. My either was so fidgety I couldn't sit still, or I would sit and stare at the wall for the entire afternoon, even though I had homework to do. Um, This wasn't all the time, but enough, right? Like, more days than not, as one would say in the the book. Um, There was a chunk of time, and I think that it was that year, it might have been a different year, where a good chunk of the like late fall and early winter. I Kenyon has a, a mile long path that runs down the middle of it. That's how you get from one end of campus to the other. And there are all of these big trees that line middle path. And I had to either walk very quickly and look at the ground or spend the like entire walk wondering which branch was like strong enough. Right. So that so, was not a particularly good experience. So those thoughts of death just kept following you around oh yeah and you've already talked about like two ways of dying but um you know we evaluate people for suicide all the time and we ask that question yeah did you have a plan yeah anything is a plan like i could look around your living room and see 50 different ways but if there was one thing that has been consistent it's either semi-accidental car accident or a <laughs> and this is stuff I don't say out loud actually there's like one person I've said this out loud to and it is not my psychiatrist um would be like a bottle of liquor a bottle of pills of some sort and which ones have varied and a sharp object of a major artery several or several And that has been consistent since I was 18. And I was pretty sure that was what was going to happen for a very long time. It's only within the past couple of years that I'm more sure that it won't than that it will.
There's an element of Lara's perfectionist, overachieving personality that's kept her from ever dealing with her depression. It's almost ironic, really. She didn't want to be a failure when it came to being a patient. Uh, finding out that treatment wouldn't work would be worse than assuming treatment oh. wouldn't work. If it wasn't going to work, I didn't want to do it. And Treatment or suicide? Or both? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes to both? Yes. Okay. Um, I think I was also never sure enough that I wanted to be dead to try and not willing to try if I wasn't sure because I wasn't going to do something that was half-assed. This maintained the balance for years. Part of what kept Lara going is that she pushed herself relentlessly. The way she coped with her depression was to work harder and harder and harder. If I had stopped pushing myself, if I had allowed myself to not do that, then I would have fallen totally apart and there would have been no point and I would have been dead. So the desperate need to do that is probably what kept me from succumbing to the depression. So you know Lara Cox struggled with depression. And you know why she didn't want to be treated. Because she was worried about being a failure as a patient. And you know she coped by throwing herself deeper and deeper into her work. So what, and you probably knew this was coming, what, what was the thing that made it all tumble down? When I was a second year resident... That was the year that Sandy hit. So Hurricane Sandy hit in October of my second year of residency. And I was maybe already a little bit on the way into a mood, but nothing like what happened after the storm. The storm hit and we had to evacuate Bellevue. And then all three of my hospitals were closed for months. Um, Bellevue and Tisch and the Manhattan VA, they're all right along First Avenue. They're all right along the edge of the water on the Lower East Side. And so the storm hit. We did the evacuation on Halloween, which was an incredibly surreal experience. And then we were waiting to figure out what was going to happen next because they had to find somewhere to put us or we wouldn't be able to finish residency on time because there was nowhere for us to train. So they reassigned us to all sorts of different hospitals. Um, and it was not an immediate process. Everybody was out for a week, two weeks at least. Um, and because I had been working at the VA before the storm, I got reassigned to the Bronx VA. But I only had a couple weeks left of my rotation at that point, And it was going to take that long to credential. And so I was out of work, I think, for a month. And that was not good for me. And I wasn't taking care of patients and I wasn't doing this thing that was, you know, who I am as well as what I do. And so I totally fell apart in a way that I hadn't in years. It was, it was bad. It was really quite bad, actually. Um, what does bad look like? I couldn't fall asleep. I couldn't stay asleep. 
I was not hungry. I, by the time I got back to work, it was taking me forever to write a note, um, which was a problem. And I was so irritable. I was so irritable. I wanted to crawl out of my own skin. I wanted to like punch people who were walking slowly in front of me down the sidewalk. Um, or, you know, incredibly anxious and so either restless, um, you know, I'm always fidgety, but I was even more so, or sort of by the end of the day, I would fade and just be kind of blank sitting there trying to write my notes. Um, it was miserable, like so miserable, physically hurt. Um, and as always happens when I get depressed, I was, you know, having suicidal thoughts all the time, like all the time though. It was bad. Um, and because it was so bad, my work was sliding, um, and I, they picked up on me being irritable, which was, you know, not just because I was in a bad mood. I, it was a hard place to be displaced to. Did you get negative reviews of your performance? At that point in time, starting that rotation, there are comments about my being anxious or too intense. And there was a comment made that I didn't seem to be doing as well as I had been a year before as an intern. Nobody said word one to me. Nobody said, are you okay? Nobody said, what's going on? What happened was that they said bad things about me in the progression committee meeting, and then nobody said anything to me. And that continued to affect my reviews for the rest of residency, and we're psychiatrists, right? Like, you say somebody's not doing as well as they were a year ago as an intern. And you don't go, I wonder what's going on. Right? I wonder why that is. Maybe I should ask them if they're okay. It, it felt like there was, that I had been standing on a floor and there was no floor under me. Because at least I could imagine that, like, if they had known if they had noticed that there was a problem, there would have been support there. Even if I wouldn't have taken advantage of it, but just to know that it wasn't there was really difficult. You felt unsafe. I, 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 un, unsafe might be the wrong word, but... It felt like all the things that I was worried were going to happen if I told anybody there was a problem had kind of happened, even though they didn't know there was a problem. And so... But you had enough evidence to say, look what would happen if I tell someone. That this is what they do even if they're, they're not sure there's a problem. They're still going to act like this. Yeah. As a general rule, in the general world, somebody's performance deteriorates, it's because they're lazy or a pain in the ass or they don't care. Um, it's not... 
the the reason why it's changing isn't thought about a lot, right? As human beings, we tend to look at behavior, see the behavior, make our judgment based on that, and not think about the why. So this is psychiatrists not, like acting not like psychiatrists, um, because our whole job is to think about the why. And so it it's the idea that none of us could possibly be like that, right? There's a binary. There's right? a binary. There's an us and a them, right? And we're not patients, and we don't have those problems. And so, of course, we wouldn't think about that because it doesn't even come to mind because we're doctors, right? We're not patients. <laughs> Lara Cox is a board-certified adult psychiatrist, and she's training as a child psychiatrist at one of the most prestigious programs in the country. And after this interview, she started going to weekly therapy. host, Owen Scott Muir, MD, and this is the Frontier Psychiatrist Podcast, the companion publication to the thefrontierpsychiatrist.substack.com. Subscribe and rate this as five stars because it helps discovery on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you happen to be listening. Have a great one.